Oop. I'm retired Navy. I do have a command voice, but I'll use this. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Deb, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And it's time to start the workshop. And as you know, this is a workshop on um, balancing spiritual, physical, and emotional uh, recovery. So, let me read here. Um, make, please make sure that all your cell phones and other electronic equipment has been turned off. This session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker release form before sharing. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the questions and answers portion of the session. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other session. They are available on CD or as an electronic download. The format of this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by 10 minutes of questions and answers, finishing up with 10 minutes of open pitches. Okay. And that's, that looks like it's what it is. So, I'm thinking we have people that have things to read. Oh. Oh, there is another page. It's sticking. So let me, I apologize. Let me get, there we go. All right. Oh, this is the release form. I'm looking for a form that says, who reads Well, you know what? There isn't a page, so let's play it by ear. We know how to do this. Jan has the 12 steps. All right. Jan, would you please read the 12 steps? Morning, everybody. My name is Jan. I am a compulsive overeater, bulimic. And here are the 12 steps as adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity much Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much. Okay. And so the topic for today is balance, spiritual, physical, and emotional recovery. Our first speaker is going to be, it says George, but but it's going to be Lori. Hi, I'm Lori, compulsive overeater. Hi, Lori. I'm actually George's wife. He's upstairs. I'm down here. One of us got it backwards. I don't know who. Uh, But that's okay. I've been backwards many times in my life. Um, I'm going to apologize first for having talked during the steps, reading of the steps, because we were talking about the fact that it's a George and I'm Lori. Okay, I'm not a seasoned speaker. Um, this is something that the program brought to me. Um, first time way back when I raised animals and was act, asked to speak at an animal convention, the thought of it just pitted my stomach. My heart started pounding. No, 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 can't do this. I mean, panic, absolute panic. The first time I ever got asked to speak was at a meeting And um, somebody said, the speaker didn't come. Could you speak? And it was like, okay. And I stunned myself just just to hear that. And that was change of the program. So I can um, uh, qualify myself as a compulsive eater. Um, I've been in this program for only four and a half years. um, But I've been abstinent for four and a half years. Uh, Have... um, and maintaining about 75 pounds weight loss, a little bit more perhaps. Um, Never a little bit less, though, thank heavens. Um, When I was a kid, I think I was born with this. Um, I have strong memory of going to the movies with my sisters and would buy the box of candy, (coughs) biggest box you could get for the money, but... They came in different colors. And so I would dump them all out of my lap before the movie started and sort them out by color. The best ones went back in the box to be eaten last because they couldn't be contaminated by the ones that weren't as good. (laughs) And I would eat all the ones that I really didn't like first. I spent a lot of my life eating foods that I really didn't like simply because they were foods and they were in front of me. And so one must eat them. Um, My... uh, I I just, it kept growing from there. I graduated to um, stealing money out of my father's pockets um, to buy extra candy. I would buy, um, spend my allowance on penny candy, and again, the volume overtook the flavor, and I would buy the things that you got the most of it for the penny. 
And often it was that stuff that was little pieces of sugared stuff stuck on paper so that you ate the paper with it. But you got an awful lot of it for your money. Uh, Not healthy. As an adult, now I was 65 before it dawned on me that I wasn't in control of my eating. Go figure. I even, I was married once before, been married for 40 years now, but married once before, and um, in the divorce proceedings, um, used the thing that my ex-husband had um, caused me to become a compulsive overeater. Did it register that, yes, that means you're a compulsive overeater? No. I was oblivious. It was like, no, I'm just not trying hard enough. Because other people don't eat this way. Most people are fat simply because they overeat. I'm only fat because I binge. I didn't know other people did that. Because, lo and behold, I hid it. My husband of 40 years had no idea that I would wait until he was asleep. And terror try to get out of the room without waking him up so that I could go downstairs and eat more stuff and then hide the evidence of it. What brought me into this program finally was I was caring for his mom. Um, she was 98 at the time. And um, I had treats for her that were her food. I have always had that, what I thought was that honesty that what's yours is yours, what's mine is mine. But I took some of the food, and, I mean, I had bought it for her. I could have bought it for myself, but no, I wasn't going to eat that because I was dieting. And all my life, the only reason I didn't weigh weigh more than I did was because I dieted often enough. But I was dieting and then binging. Didn't make any sense. You have a big binge and a glass of diet soda. Okay, that makes sense. Um, And so I realized I was actually stealing it because she would have given it to me if I'd asked. But I was stealing it. And suddenly the possibility of being dishonest struck me. And I realized, oh, I'm not as honest as I thought I was. And so um, I realized I needed help. Well, I had a friend at the time who was in another 12-step program and had had an incredible turnaround from that. And so I thought, well, maybe there's something for this, for food. And so I sat in front of the computer sobbing, pathetically. And I found OA. And I found an online program because caring for my mother-in-law, I couldn't go to -to face-to-face meetings. But there was a strong online program. There's phone um, meetings, and there's online meetings, and there's podcasts, and there's all kinds of things. And so I found that, and I did that for two years. Now, the last six months of that, she had passed away, and the strength of the program that had come to me through that struck me abstinent. Because I said, okay, if I'm going to come into this program, I'm admitting finally that I'm powerless over food and that somebody else knows how to deal with this that I don't. And somebody once told me, you only know what you know when you know it. Well, I really didn't know. 
you know, it may have been perfectly obvious, but I still didn't know. And so came into this program, and I didn't have a higher power. I had had a religious higher power as a child that I was terrified of. And the thought was, I must ignore this power. Because if I ignore the power, the power isn't going to notice how bad I am. I don't think that worked. But I would do things like thinking, well, at least if I'm not losing weight, it means I don't have cancer. And I thought, that's just bizarre thinking. And I began to recognize this thinking. So the interesting thing was when several days, literally, before this phone call came, I got a phone call that said, yep, you definitely have this, this, this kind of cancer. And I thought, okay, what can I do with program with this? And it just startled me that, well, right now, right this minute, I'm not having any great problems with it. Yeah, I got some symptoms. I've had symptoms of stuff all my life. So I chose, I'm going to live one day at a time. <gasps> That's a lesson I learned here. And I'm going to turn this over to my higher power. And that's a lesson I learned here. So when I came into this program, slowly but surely, I started out with OA as my higher power, and slowly but surely, it developed into a reality. And the final thing was, I was at a workshop one day where they have you write a letter to God, and or God, depending on what part of the country you're from. <laughs> and... Um, then write a letter from God. So I sat there and I just wrote out this, you know, this teeny tiny little writing because you have to make maximum use of the page. I'm a New England Yankee, waste not, want not. Teeny tiny little writing, write a whole page. A letter to God. Okay, turn it over. Letter from God. Dear Lori, I am here. That was it. That was the only words that came. And I thought, wow, don't I have anything more to say? And it just dawned on me, I wasn't the one who said it. And that was just so powerful. And it was such an awareness that, yeah, I'm not going to be able to define what the higher power is. I'm not going to be able to explain how the higher power works. All I know is when I talk to my higher power, I get the strength. If I ask for help, I get the help. And all the way through this process, it is developed. And I started out with, um, we're talking about the balance. Well, I was totally off balance. I didn't have the spiritual part. So I needed that more than anything else. And it was things like this as I went along acting as if I believed in God, acting as if there was a higher power who was listening to me, and slowly but surely came to understand that there was a higher power working for me, that someone up there likes me. That had happened several times in my earlier years, how I met my husband, absolute coincidence, and we've been married for 40 years. 
if it hadn't been for someone up there, uh, that's finger quotes, um, I never would have met him. It was just incredible. And yet it was guided. It was like, and it's, it's wonderful. And these are the kinds of things that I stopped asking about God and simply accepted because OA had taught me to accept what I cannot change. And this has been a powerful help for me. So I started out with my um, meal plan. I said, okay, I am going to give up dieting. I'd gone from every diet and most of my own odd diets, restricting but odd foods. You didn't need to know. And even took diet pills. And I actually maintained my weight after I got those diet pills for three whole weeks. It didn't, it didn't ever work. Um, it always came back. And this is the first time probably in my life that I haven't regained weight. It has just slowly gone down, and I did it simply by when I stopped dieting, I also said, okay, i got to stop binging, and I'm going to substitute OA for the binges. So I went to the meetings and so forth, the, the online meetings, other things, the reading and so forth, got a sponsor, and um, that supported me to be able to do, do something other than eat. And it has gotten to the point where 99% of the time, I don't even care. If I miss a meal, I can remember being on our way back from Death Valley one time. and we, we, My husband decided that he wanted to eat at a particular place. And I thought, well, gee, it's getting really close to supper time. You know, maybe we should stop before we get there. As we drove by the sign that said, next service, 56 miles. And that is when accept what we cannot change kicked in. So I accepted. And the idea of having to eat anytime soon vanished. It was not until like three hours later that we got to the restaurant that, ah, now I'm hungry. And I still ate my abstinent food because not being abstinent for me is not an option. From the beginning, I looked up how much I had to eat to maintain what I weighed at that time, overweight, and how much I had to eat to maintain my healthy weight. Well, there were a lot more calories in the maintaining the high weight but by eating from the beginning what maintained my healthy weight, I slowly but surely lost down to that healthy weight. And once I got there, I wasn't on a diet. I was simply on a plan of eating normal food. I had recognized that it's not the food, it's the compulsion. And so that really helped me, and that was where the mental kicked in. I have a disease. I have to do something I've never done before in order to be someone I've never been before. And Harlan always has a, um, he's a, a speaker in case some don't recognize him. He does the big book studies. And he says, this is not a program for people who 
want to do it. This is not a program for people who need to do it. This is a program for people who do it. So I committed right from the beginning to do it. That was a mental shift. What that enabled me to do was deal with my emotions. When my mother-in-law died, or when she was dying, I got a phone call that my father was dying. And he was in Cape Cod, and I was my mother-in-law's sole care caregiver here in California. I couldn't go. It was okay. It was the right thing to do to stay with her. I accepted it, felt it, and got over it and moved past it. And I was grateful to have been able to be there for her. So without my higher power, without the spiritual aspect of my life, I didn't have a program. But as long as I do it, as long as every single day I do my prayer, meditation, writing, reading, contacting my sponsor, sending my food, calling, or excuse me, getting calls from sponsees, getting emails from sponsees. I have a sponsee in Uganda. Um, the online program is a powerful thing. Um, it has kept me with OA right up here, right there, right on the tip of my tongue instead of food on the tip of my tongue. And that has been very supportive. Now, my first two years, my husband wasn't in the program. So I was sitting across the table from him, watching him eating the food that he was eating. And we had been eating buddies. And eventually it got where he noticed that I was different. And we were driving somewhere where we were late. And it was one of those things where you don't want to be late for this one. And we were stuck in traffic. No. In the bad old days, I would have said, okay, move over there. They're going faster over there. Okay, hurry up. Go back over there. Instead, I just sat there and I went, okay, well, we can't do anything about the fact that the traffic is heavy. We'll just get there when we get there. And I said, wow, I'm surprised I said that. And he looked at me and he said, maybe it's because you're a new person. And wow, a little bit of reinforcement. And so what was my reaction? Thank you, God. It's the first thing I say every morning. I become aware that I'm awake, and I say, thank you, God. For what? For everything. I mean, I have no control over the fact that I just woke up. That's not in my power any more than the rest of it is. Um, I practice gratitude. My sponsor has me send five gratitudes a day, and I find that powerful five or fewer struggles every day, so it keeps me honest. I can't say, oh, every day is rosy. No, every day is not rosy. Remember that diagnosis? Well, I stayed in the now. Two months later, retests, oops, that was wrong. Now, I saved, I still don't know what is wrong, but it's apparently not cancer. Okay. I saved two months of stressing and straining and worrying and thinking in the future and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die, oh, the pain, blah, 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 blah. I just stayed in the moment, and the moment was okay. The sun was shining, the apricots were ripening on our tree, um, the hummingbirds were coming to the feeder. It changed my life. It helped me more to be in this program in the rest of my life than it did in the food. And the only way that happened is because I just kept going. I keep it consistent, and I listen 
to other people. I always ask long-timers who have had a relapse, what was the first thing you noticed before you went into relapse? I stopped going to meetings. I stopped contacting my sponsor. So I said, okay, not going to do that. And I listen, and I don't have to make the same mistakes. I'm too old. I started too old to make all those mistakes. I made them all. You know, I just wasn't in program when I made them. But if I do what they do, the people who are in recovery, then I have recovery too. And so when it comes to this program, I'm going to leave you, well, do I have more than one minute? Oh, okay. Well, let me see what else I can say. I'm also old and lose my train of thought from time to time, but that's okay. Um, Ah, connections. What helped me at the beginning was because in the meetings you hear the word God all the time, and it's like, ah, it's that, ah, wrath. Um, I decided I was going to connect the word God to a smile. So when I hear the word God, I smile. Smiling makes you feel good. Even if you don't feel like smiling, if you put your face in that position, it makes you feel good. So I did that. And it's this connection has helped me. I'm still a perfectionist, but now I can accept imperfections. And heaven knows I'm imperfect. I still try to control my husband from time to time. But really avoid doing that. And now I have a tenth step. Oh, thank heavens for tenth step. And sometimes I will tenth step ahead of time, like when we have a plumber come, and I'll say, you're going to have to forgive me. Um, I tend to want to tell you how to do your job, and the reason I hired you is because I know I don't know how to do your job. So, you know, relax. So please forgive me ahead of time. So the last thing I'm going to say is when it comes to this program, please do it, don't chew it. Isn't she fabulous? Thank you. Thank you for your share. And our second speaker is Jenny. Where's Jenny? No, it it says our second speaker is Jenny. Well, that's what it says. And they've got they George, Jenny, and. Well, I they blew it. It's okay. We'll forgive him. All right. Okay. Everybody, here's Babs. <laughs> I'm Babs, compulsive overeater. Um, oh, what a wonderful conference. Um, I guess each of us are going to approach this differently because each of us are different. Um, I've been in OA for about 29 years, and the first 10 years, I got abstinent right away, and the first 10 years, I was on a pink cloud. Um, When I came in, I was not significantly overweight, thanks to some other programs, but I knew I would put it right back on, 
And I came in with my ex-husband, who was 100 pounds overweight, to support him. I got it, and unfortunately he left. Um, but those first 10 years, I would say balance was definitely there. The physical recovery came quickly. Um, the, I didn't put it back on. The emotional recovery came through the steps. And I'd had a, a strong spiritual relationship for many years. My mom was quite ill when I was a child. And so I had developed a connection with God. And that's the only thing that got me through her death when I was 13, was that connection. But the connection didn't get me abstinent, as wonderful as it was. So, but as soon as... I was able to really admit I was a compulsive overeater. As soon as I was willing to reach my hand out for somebody else's hand, because I did everything by myself. I took care of my mom, I helped my dad, I, you know, I was the, the, the doer. And asking for help was not in my vocabulary. So it was very hard to get to the point to say, I can't do this, and to ask for help. So the emotional part, again, it was the steps. It was having a sponsor. It was sponsoring. There was balance. And then after 10 years, <laughs> little by little, and I, did, I continued to go to meetings. I've been going to meetings for, you know, for 29 years. Um, but my physical recovery started to slip. And it wasn't, you know... I didn't all of a sudden have a big meal that was bigger and bigger and bigger. It was tiny, tiny changes. So it probably took a whole year for me to realize that I was not in physical recovery. And, of course, at that point, I also had to stop sponsoring, which was very, very hard. Um, and it took me a long time to get abstinence back. During that time... I still had the spiritual recovery and mostly the emotional. I'm not going to say it didn't, excuse me, suck, to not be able to stand up and say the number of years I had, and, and, but more than that, to not be able to sponsor. And I still went back to the old habits of blaming myself and condemning myself for everything. And it finally, it was really, again, a God thing that I realized that what I had defined as abstinence was way too strict and that I couldn't live with it for the rest of my life. So I had to just erase it and start over again in a non-perfectionistic way. And that's where the loose garment comes in. But when I came into OA was the, the years of the gray sheet, which some of you know about. It was a very regimented, strict kind of, of thing. And so it was hard to change the thinking, but I finally was able to do that. And uh, so now I have almost 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Um, but I never forget those years that I came to the meetings, that I worked the steps, that I worked with my sponsor, but that I couldn't participate the way I wanted to. So if anybody is struggling with relapse, um, I would say be gentle. Really find something you can live with the rest of your life that nothing's going to shake, 
and then maybe have a food plan that is a little more, as she said so beautifully, if you eat for 150 pounds, guess what? (laughs) And if you eat for 120, guess what? You're going to get there. So one of the ways that I was thinking about this was, um, I guess it was about six months ago, I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic. So after all the years of having a good food plan, I had to do things totally differently. It was like erasing the board and having to start over again. Things that were seemed very innocent for, for pre-diabetes or diabetes you absolutely can't have. So my first reaction was shock. My next reaction was anger. <laughs> the why me, and why after all of this time, etc. And And I can't. I mean, and that was the, the thing that kept coming. Is I can't. I, I don't have another change in me. I can't, you know, I can't do this. And then I realized that was the gift, that I can't. Because you don't turn to your higher power for help until you can't. As long as you can do it on your own, you're going to do it on your own. So... You know, my higher power, he, she, got me through it. Got me in every time when I'd say, I just, I just can't do this. To be able to do it for an hour, for half a day, for a day. And um, that's one wonderful thing is that early on, if you catch it early on, you can usually change it by diet and exercise. And I was able to do that. I'm back to normal. But I will always have to eat differently. I don't get to go back and eat the, <laughs> the other way, which wasn't bad, but it was just, it was bad for a pancreas that isn't working very well. So if I hadn't been in OA, I really don't think, I don't think I could have done it. And my doctor says that she gives this diagnosis to a lot of people and they just keep doing exactly what they've been doing because they don't know they're compulsive overeaters. They don't know that there's help out there. So with the help I was able to do what I needed to do. Um, the most important thing for me to keep balanced today is, number one, to I don't necessarily hit my knees. I hit my chair for prayer time and meditation time. <laughs> um, I have to do it every day because if I don't, none of the rest really works. Um, occasionally, that isn't the case, but most of the time, I'd say so. Um, I have readings that I do. I love to walk and meditate while I'm walking, although I have to be careful I don't trip and trip someplace when I'm doing that. But when I'm walking, I find is a really good time to be open to my higher power and what he, she has to say to me. Um, As far as emotional, it's definitely meetings, uh, working with a sponsor, picking up that phone when I'm feeling terrible. I heard Close to the beginning, if you share something really bad, really emotional, with three people, if you say it three times, it loses a lot of its power. And I've found that to be true. So even though I'll feel guilty, I'll feel like, "Ah, I've already talked about this, um, that I still have to do it until I don't have to do it anymore. And I feel so badly for normies who can't do that, who don't have a phone list, who don't have a meeting to go to, who don't have a sponsor, who don't have sponsees who say, how are you doing? Um, That has just, keeps my emotional sobriety. And the physical is just writing. I don't necessarily, well, I don't send my food to my sponsor, but I write down 
everything. And I have to count. I don't recommend that for abstinence, but I have to count for my health, so I do it. And um, without, first, of course, my higher power, but I can't tell you how helpful people were in the program when I shared how I felt about (laughs) the diagnosis. Just getting it out and having people with knowledge give me back, give me hints. It was so wonderful. I mean, to know that we can do this. Nobody telling me what to do, which happens in the outside world, uh, at least to me, maybe not to you guys, but to be able to just get the information, to get the support. And um, so the emotional balance definitely came through that. If I had stayed isolated with it, I would have stayed in the same place of being angry and bitter, and sad, and, and, and. And as long as I was feeling those feelings, I would not have been able to make the behavior changes that it took. So um, I think that's basically it. For me, even though there's a balance, the spiritual has to come first, because without that, I won't get the emotional sobriety, and I certainly won't have physical recovery, because I proved, I think I was 40-some when I came in these rooms, so I proved on my own for all those years that I couldn't do it alone, and I couldn't even do it through all these other kinds of programs. Oh, someone mentioned diet pills. I was up cleaning house at like midnight. I decided I didn't like that. (laughs) So I flushed them down the toilet. They might have, thank you, they might have worked, but um, it wasn't a good thing for me. So, um, Everyone has their own experience. So with the spiritual, I know some people come in already having a higher power. But maybe they have a viewpoint of the higher power that isn't a healthy one as the, the, the uh, super judgmental, super angry higher power. And they have to find something new because you're not going to be able to feel as supported. You're not going to be able to be honest with, a higher, with that higher power. So, so finding that can be a journey. Others come in with, you know, feeling very comfortable with a loving higher power. And so they can sort of jump right in to the other issues of physical and emotional recovery. So I know I'm not using all the time, but that's it for me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And our third speaker is Tina. Good morning. I'm Tina, compulsive overeater. I came into OA in 2009, weighing about 290 pounds, uh, and I had spent, you know, after about the age of 30, no amount of dieting could, again, get me below 200. So that is my definition of of hopelessness and powerlessness. It used to be that I could get on, you know, a weight loss plan, whatever, and lose some weight. But after 30, you know, they say this is a progressive disease. Yes, that was my definition of powerless. Nothing after that point could ever, again, get me below 200. 
So before I came in the doors, I had reached a point of just utter hopelessness, and I thought, well, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to be overweight. Uh, better try to accept it and get happy with that. Uh, until I had some things that helped me get ready uh, to make a change. And a friend joined a 12-step program, and by the grace of God, somehow or another, I can't even explain it to this day, I got ready. And I thought maybe I could get into recovery, whatever that meant, with food. Uh, so I came into the doors of OA, uh, and my life has completely changed from the ground up. And it took me about two years um, in recovery in OA to lose 130 pounds by the grace of God and, you know, blast through not only that 200 mark but down below to a, a healthy body weight. And then, to me, even the bigger miracle is to maintain it. My God, I've never been able to do that in my whole life is to maintain a weight uh, for years. So thank God for that. Uh, and I love this topic about balance uh, because that is a huge part of, of what I guess I've been working with all this time. And preparing this talk helped me to see some of that. So I like what someone else said that really between spiritual, physical, and emotional, spiritual is number one. So that's what's different about OA, right, is they put the spiritual at the top. So some people explain this balance as a three-legged stool, and that's good. You've got your physical, emotional, and, and spiritual, and each leg of the stool needs to be in balance or you get out of whack and your stool can fall over, right? Uh, and that's, that's a very good analogy that you know a lot of us have heard. Um, what I would also say and add to that is I think of it as a pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid is the spiritual, because without the spiritual, the train isn't going to go, right? Uh, because I might as well be in one of these other weight loss programs if I don't have that spiritual connection that's, that's uh, driving the train. So when I got the spiritual, uh, when I, and I had been in church for years and had prayed many times, God, can you please help me lose this weight? And I felt like God was letting me down. Why isn't this happening? Why aren't I? I'm not getting any help here. What in the hell's going on? Uh, and I was mad at God for that. But again, once I came into OA, what I began to understand is I had a part I needed to do, and I wasn't willing to do that. And the other thing it, well, that I wasn't getting is I wasn't listening. So the spiritual part connected me to a higher power in a way that I hadn't had before. So all of a sudden, I was hearing from him in a very specific way. So that has been like a huge foundational piece to my recovery is to realize that I can literally hear from my higher power specific information about my food, my exercise, my shame, my fear, whatever it is that's going in my life, I can get specific instructions. You know, and I had been going to church, like I said, for years and years. I believe that I had heard from time to time about the big things uh, from God, what house to buy, what job to take, what man to marry, whatever. But I did not realize that he cared about the small things. And I considered the food small things. So it, even though I had prayed over and over, God, can you help me with the food? I guess I didn't really expect to hear the specifics. And he was, he was trying to get through to me, but I wasn't really listening. So knowing about this spiritual aspect connected me to a higher power. 
in a way that I that I had never had before, because uh, yeah. So it, anyway, so that's really the pyramid, and at the bottom of the pyramid is the emotional and the physical. Um, so because where I had been before OA was, um, I can't, I can't. It's too hard. So what OA did is when I came in, is it's like, oh, wow, wait a minute. There's two steps after that that come and blast through that obstacle. I can't. He can. I think I'll let him. And it's like all of a sudden, what I learned is that's how to access the power of God for my life. I never had that before because I would stop at I can't. Uh, So that started to blast through all kinds of obstacles that became an upward spiral in my life. Uh, that I, I had never had before. I'm getting emotional thinking about that. <clears throat> uh, and what that did is it started to help me in all kinds of different ways in my life. So this process of listening to God, so what I realized is this is a process. I don't ever need to get stuck again on I can't. Um, so I began to ask, ask God for everything, even what I thought were the little inconsequential things like food, like exercise, like, God, I hate exercise. I can't do it. And then to say, but can you help me? Can you help me with that? I can't, I can't do it, but you can, you can help me. So it occurred to me, huh, ask for help. Uh, and then listen to what comes. Actually, I am going to get an answer. If you ask, you're going to get an answer. Ask, seek, and you shall find, right? Well, I didn't know how to do that, apparently. Uh, ask for help regarding the exercise. And then listen for answers that come. And then act on it. Actually do it. He said it's a program of doing it, not wanting to do it. You actually have to do it. So that propelled me into a bunch of different actions that I had never been able to do or wanted to do before. Uh, and, you know, pretty soon after that, what I realized is I got to the ridiculous place where I realized that, thank you, God. I realize I can ask you for help for all these small things. Um, I'm hearing from you now. Awesome. This is great. I'm getting strength and power for my life. And the answer is walk. And it's like, oh, God, but I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to. And then stuck again. So, okay, now I'm stuck. And then I realized, okay, God, I'm stuck, but because I hate exercise and all these reasons, blah, 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 it doesn't even matter. Um, My knees hurt. Uh, Can you help me with that? Okay, so don't leave it as a straight line path. I can't and leave it laying there on the ground. Actually, I realized it's a wheel that keeps going around and around. Okay, God, I hate to exercise. My knees hurt. Can you help me with that? And then listen for the next answer that comes because the answer might be a friend that calls and says, hey, can you walk with me a couple days a week? And it's like, yes, thank you. Thank you, God, for sending me that answer. This is awesome. And then the next thing you find is you're getting support for doing what you could never do before. Uh, so all of a sudden there's this wheel thing going around where it's, it used to be a flat line. <laughs> I can't, it's like, whenever I get to that part of, I don't, I can't ask for more help. And then the help comes, listen, do, if you get stuck again, ask for help again. Uh, 
so it's been quite amazing. So from this process of listening to my higher power in a way that I never knew about before, I started to get help. I, what, I, what happened is I started to get balance. Uh, I got, started to get balance for my character defects that were raging out of control, especially shame, fear. I could have never gotten up here and talk like this. I couldn't speak in front of people. Uh, it, it was just a terribly fearful thing to do that. Shame, fear, control of other people, worry, hurry. You know, those are some of the, the key character defects I had. And areas in my life that were out of balance. Housework. Oh, God, it was just like totally out of control. Uh, you know, on an ever-increasing basis, it was more and more out of control, just like my weight. Paperwork at home, piles of paper piling up. It was just a big mess. Uh, and, and then the other thing was bondage thoughts, I call them. So I was being driven crazy by these bondage thoughts like, I am not enough. Uh, there is no, all my relationships fail, so there's no hope of real connection. So I had all these bondage thoughts that were controlling me. And what I began to see is I was getting help and balance for all that shit that was happening. So I don't know if any of you know what an equalizer looks like, uh, you know, if you're music people or sound people. So it, it's like a part of a stereo Thank you. Uh, that <clears throat> it's got a bunch of buttons across the front, and that control the frequencies of sound from the very low tones to the mid tones to the very high tones, um, and you can push them up and down. They're on. They're dials. It's, that's what an equalizer is, and sound en engineers use that to um, control what we hear in sound. Excuse me. And I began to get this picture in my head of. God is equalizing my life. He's bringing balance to areas of my life. Uh, and he is putting all of these things on a continuum for me. So I was a typical addict before coming into OA. And I had a lot of things out of balance. I was a black and white thinker, like a lot of us are. Um, everything was black or white, good or bad. Um, and it was driving me crazy. That's a definition of unmanageable. There was no middle ground for so many things. There was no middle ground for my food. I was either binging or starving. Exercise was, I either can't do it or I'm going to join a gym and damn it, I'm going to get into shape and I'm going to exercise five times a week. And then that would be like completely over the top and I'd hurt myself and then I'd be back to doing nothing. So there's no balance. It was just like on, off, black, white in a lot of areas. Uh, and once I did step three, and I turned my, my will and my life over to the care of God, things began to change because I began to listen and hear different things from God where he would give me literally suggestions about how to do it differently. And then sometimes I would do it. Sometimes I would complain and resist. Uh, but then after over time of doing this, I realized that even that resistance could be taken to God. Can you help me with the resistance? And then I would bust through that barrier, and it was, it was incredible. Um, so with this equalizer, you know, uh, my sponsor has got his, a great analogy. So shame has been a huge character defect. It was sort of my default uh, before OA. And I made a mistake at work recently. Uh, and that used to be an 8 on a scale of 1 to 10. It was like, oh, my God, I'm having a shame attack. Uh, I made the mistake. People are going to know. They're going to know I'm a fraud. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so 
to a, an objective observer, it probably should have been a three. Yeah, it was a mistake. You need to correct it. You need to fix it, whatever. It uh, should have been a three, but in my head it was an eight. So the difference between the eight and the three are the in, is the internal dysfunction and, you know, the bullshit in my life and the childhood, whatever, that happened and uh, stuff going on. And that stuff began to get help in OA through doing my fourth step and my steps. So the pool of dysfunction that had been in my life, because I had been saving up resentments and dysfunction for years and years, and I kind of think of it like, like this big toxic pool. I had no way to, to discharge that stuff from the pool before I didn't know what to do with it. So your fourth step, you start giving it away, and you're draining the pool, and the pool is getting less and less and less. So finally, what used to be an eight on the shame scale is now I had something where I sent out an email. I'm in charge of the 2016 convention. And if that isn't like an overwhelming, crazy thing, uh, you know, somebody in OA asked if I would do that. I thought, who, me? Are you insane? And I'm getting help now for that. That, was ne that would have never been in my life to even think about doing something like that. Um, and I sent out an email to a bunch of people. I meant to blind copy them. I forgot. And I thought, oh, crap. People are going to complain, you know, because, you know, they, people don't want their emails out there. That would have been an eight before, and now it was a four. So it, it still bothered me. I'm still not a complete piece with this shame thing. And I thought, oh, somebody's going to say something, whatever. But it's better. So it's progress, not perfection. So thank God for OA. So those things, that is recovery. That's moving those things down on the, on the scale and equalizing that stuff on the equalizer where it used to be wildly out of balance. Now we're getting, we're getting kind of a, a better profile on what that thing actually looks like. Uh, the other thing that I noticed that God has been doing uh, to help equalize and balance out my life is he uses the hair of the dog. I don't know if you know, <laughs> maybe AAs know what that means. Uh, but because I used to never be able to face my fears because that's why I was eating, right? Uh, all the pain in my life. Um, but, you know, I like the, a there's a much better acronym that F it and, and fuck it and run, and run. It's now face everything and recover, okay? So that's what I'm trying to move towards in, o, in OA. Face everything and recover. That's new. Face it? Whoa. But that's hard, when you're a shame-based, fear-based person like I've been, um, because what God has allowed is he's allowed more instances to come into my life that would have triggered shame. But he's using the hair of the dog to heal me because he's taking me through them one at a time, and he's saying, see, you can go through this with my help and your community in OA and with the steps and the tools. You can get help for that. See, it's not as bad as you thought. We can get through this. You're not going to die. Uh, you know, you're not going to get fired from your job. Wow. Okay. And then the next time you go through it, it's not as bad. So it's like getting a vaccine at the doctor. They're giving you a little bit of, you know, the, the chicken pox virus <clears throat> because it's going to inoculate you. I would not have designed it this way. I really would have wanted to be cured. You know, this is not my idea, but apparently it's, it's my higher power's idea of how to get better and how to recover because um, it still is difficult, right? Because even if you're still at a four on the shame scale, that's, that still is kind of sucky. Uh, 
but at least it's not an eight. Uh, so let's see what else I've, I may have to say. Um, I don't know, some, a random thought I had for you all. I have been looking for love in all the wrong places before OA, and it, now that I am not pushing down all of my feelings with food, it is amazing to find what's down there. Some of the underpinnings to what was driving me to food, you know, I think I'll just mention, I, I've been looking for comfort and security and safety in food. I, somehow or another that got mixed up in my brain. I thought food can give me comfort and safety. It doesn't. It doesn't. That actually comes from God. God is the only source for true comfort and real security and foundational safety that there is because everything else is changing. Everything else changes. People die. There's disease, wars, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, God's the only one. Um, and the other thing that I was doing is I was looking, I was being driven by this idea that everything had to be complete. One of my character defects is perfectionism. So I wanted everything to be done and all the loose ends to be wrapped up, you know, because if something's left undone, somebody might say, well, why isn't that done? And then I'd, I'd have a shame attack. Uh, and what God is showing me is at any point in your life, a whole bunch of things are going to be undone. And it's okay. That's actually the true nature of things. So my demand to want everything to be done was unrealistic. And I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was down there at work in me. And the other thing I was always looking for that was unrealistic was certainty. I wanted certainty. I wanted to know what tomorrow was going to bring because I was trying to get my safety, you know, because I was always worried about the future. And God said, no, we don't know what the next minute's going to be. Uh, and actually, God said, you don't need it. Just trust me. That's where our certainty is, is, is in trusting God. Um, so um, I guess what I would, I would final wrap this up with saying is that these are the things that I find that I can't do without in a way. My meetings, working with my sponsor, working with my sponsees, that's my community. I never had that before OA. Now I've got connectedness and I've got community that's helping me get through this stuff. Because quite frankly, I had no idea how much help I needed <laughs> before I came in the doors. And I, I don't mean that in like a bashing myself way. I had no idea how much, what it would really take to get this kind of recovery you know, the physical piece, you know, and everything else that's gone with it. So I've needed my community, and I have to have my daily quiet time every day. It, you know, that is what resets uh, my brain and helps me get out of that crazy thinking that I'm likely to go off into. And I have to have that groundedness of spending morning, every morning with, with God and thinking about my life and um, reading and writing. Uh, and, and that's the part that I can't do without. So that's all I have for you, and I hope you all have lots of good questions. Thanks. You want me to read the questions? And sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. This one is from 
Looks like Lon or Lori. How do you do your tenth step again? I do my tenth step the second I recognize that I've done something that is not particularly kind, nice, whatever, something that is not OA approved, (laughs) Um, however you want to put it. Um, I don't put it off. I don't do a formal one every day, but like I said, I write to my sponsor every morning because I never know what I'm going to eat, so I have to wait until I've actually eaten it to know, and it fits into my plan. My plan is there. So um, if I were to do the tenth step formally at the, at the end of the night, that would actually trigger the, oh, what did I do wrong, or what did I do wrong, or what did I do wrong? I'd rather sleep on it, relax, get up in the morning, and think, and if there is something... Um, I will call someone right away or text or email or whatever. Um, So that's how I do it. I just don't wait. Anybody else? Are we going to all answer these? Um, One of us can answer whatever the next one is. Oh. I don't know. Do you, um, more than one of you want to? You got enough questions, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, it looks like we have some more. We sure do. What was your most powerful spiritual awakening? And thank you for your service to OA. I've had a lot of them. Um, probably my most powerful that was recent was getting older <laughs> and seeing folks who are 20 years older than I am, which would make them 90-some, and fear connected with that, a lot of fear. Um, some practical stuff of thinking what my husband and I want to do as we get older, but but it was really bothering me, and I was taking a walk, and all of these ideas and thoughts and feelings were just sort of spilling over, and I felt my higher power saying, and to be honest, I think I was, what I was most concerned about was in a, being in a nursing home and not being able to communicate my needs. So that's what I was the most frightened about. And it was, I didn't hear a voice, <laughs> But the thought came so clearly, I will be there with you. And since then, it's, it's gone. That, that fear is just gone. So. <laughs> this doesn't go very far. <laughs> and the next question is, what is a comfortable number of sponsees to have? It probably depends on whether you have to work for a living, <coughs> uh, which I do, but I have um, variable work hours. So I have one, two, three, 
I have three sponsees that I see individually, and then I have three sponsees that I see in a group setting right now. It, it has varied. <clears throat> um, I don't have a, I'm not out employed outside the home anymore, um, but I'm also not terribly organized. So um, I had gotten to the point of having five sponsees and realized that I was kind of shortchanging them. I was kind of missing responding sometimes um, and went back to uh, four, and that seems to just fit comfortably. I can give them the help they deserve. And then in addition, just temporary, when somebody's just starting out and they need somebody to talk to, I'm perfectly happy to just talk to them until they find a sponsor. And I think the individual thing's really important because when I was working, it was like maybe three at the most. And now that I'm retired, I sp end up sponsoring a lot of women who have a lot of years in the program. And the main thing they use me for is problems that they run into with their sponsees or crisis. And that's trouble you can't plan. I mean, it, you may have three sponsees who have parents dying all at the same time. Well, then that's going to overwhelm you to just be a support and listen. Uh, on the other hand, you may have periods where, you know, you don't have anybody that's new and people have already worked the steps and it's, you know, you could handle a whole bunch of folks if you're retired. <laughs> yeah, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Okay. Here's a good one. Are you able to give your contact phone numbers to us? And thank you to all. Sure, if anybody would like that, um, go ahead and see me after. Yeah, ditto. Ditto. Each one, what prayer in OA do you go to in crisis? Who'd like to start that one? There you go. Every day has its own crisis. <laughs> I usually try to say the third step prayer daily, but the serenity prayer um, is, is really key also. I go to the serenity prayer as well, and... Um, identify in the prayer or in my thinking as I'm saying the prayer whatever it is that is troubling me at the moment you know help me accept that um, I have terrible fingernails and they get stained and I can't change that um, I mean absurd things like that but it helps me to accept and move on and so forth my most frequent prayer is just help but then usually the serenity prayer, partly because if I'm in crisis, my brain doesn't work very well. And so I may know, I do know the prayers, and I read them every morning, but as far as being able to spontaneously say them when I'm really upset is not likely to happen. Okay, and this one's a little bit more lengthy. Could each speaker give one bullet point on each of the three topics, balancing spiritual physical, and emotional recovery. That's a big one. Anybody, you need to look at that. Why are you doing it? I, I think I already addressed it with what we said 
with what I said. Uh, yeah, a bullet point. Um, I don't think there are bullet points. There are just millions of slogans. It changes by day to day. Just keep participating and you learn all the bullet points? No. There's no way to ever do that. Just keep coming and you'll learn more. I think you probably develop favorite things that help you. Um, and I'm not good at those. <laughs> uh, as far as spiritual, for me, it's the third step prayer. And as far as physical, I like the eat or don't wear it. Is that right? I mean, wear it. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> Share it, don't wear it. <laughs> and um, let's see, it goes spiritual, emotional, physical. Oh, physical for me, it's, it's um, honesty. Honesty. And I think honesty is like an onion. You just keep peeling and seeing more truth as you keep peeling and seeing more truth, going deeper and deeper. Thank you, ladies. I struggle with comparing myself to others and feeling less than. Have you experienced this? And if so, how do you deal with it? Take that. The hair of the dog. Uh, <laughs> you get, get it in smaller doses. I was telling the panelist speakers this morning, I said, my character defects is I'm comparing myself to everybody else that speaks and think, oh, mine's not going to be that good. And all this bullshit going on in my head. But what helped is I said it out loud to them. And I said it out loud to my sponsor. Um, so it's using the tools. It's going to help. idea it's gone for a minute <laughs> well I like that saying about if you go to your brain alone it's a dangerous neighborhood <laughs> so I really try and remember to uh, call somebody talk to somebody and get it out and even sometimes just saying it I'll say oh, come on now get off it no still gone <laughs> Okay, we have about three more minutes for the questions, so let's see how far we get. Well, there will be a, t uh, you can buy a CD of this, um, of this panel also. Okay. I'm Tina, compulsive overeater, and I'm from the Seiko Intergroup, which is Southern Alameda County, uh, Fremont. I'm Lori, uh, compulsive overeater, and I'm from the Orange County Intergroup. And I remembered my answer to the other thing. Uh, the other question was, do I compare? Yeah, when we're reading the um, from the books and so forth, I actually notice how big my paragraph to read out loud is compared to yours. <laughs> Um, but I find that to be harmless, and God and I have a good chuckle over that and, you know, pass it along. I'm Babs S. from Thursday uh, Hillcrest meeting. Actually, it's in Bankers Hill <laughs> at St. Paul's. Okay, and this is a question for you, Babs. How do you explain um, 
that you had spiritual, that you have spirit, emotional recovery that did not experience physical recovery. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I think it was after, during the period of my relapse. Um, I can't really explain it. I think most of it was because I never went back to eating the way I had before. But, the, but sugar was the substance. And I didn't overdo it, but I, I had had this idea in my head that I had to get rid of it completely. And so for about five years, if I had some candy or something like that, all of a sudden it was like I wasn't abstinent. And what I had to do was discover that for me, I could have small amounts. And I had to change this abstinence that was no white flour, no white sugar. I mean, I, it just it didn't work for me after I was like... 50, 55, uh, it had to be a kinder food plan. So I don't think I would have been able to get back if I had not had the spiritual and the emotional. But for all of us, it's a different pattern. You know, some have to get the physical first, some have to get the spiritual first. It's the balance. Okay, and here's an important announcement. Uh, that there are still meals available for the Saturday dinner and the Sunday breakfast if you didn't sign up and would like to. Okay, and this is for any one of you ladies. What do you do when you become aware of practicing one of your shortcomings, like pettiness, self-loathing, perfectionism? Um, I just go to my higher power and just ask for the help to overcome it and, as I said before, do a, an amends right there and, and then. Pretty much the same thing, prayer. Um, and sometimes it's hard to discover it, and so sometimes it comes as a shock. So talking to my sponsor, or sometimes my husband, <laughs> he's a good listener, um, but then looking at the steps and seeing which step perhaps would help doing it. Uh, yes, so once I stopped using, I used to deny all those things. I was not able to be honest with myself. OA has helped me to be honest because I'm not using food to push it all away now. And it is shocking. Sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I just had that horribly critical thought. Honesty helps. And to say it out loud, talk to your sponsor, talk to someone else, it helps. Dispel it. And how do you handle the financial stress that leads into emotional stress? Seven years ago, I moved to California with $44 in my pocket that we had borrowed from my mother-in-law because we had lost everything when my husband's um, business failed, including our entire retirement. Um, I stressed over it for four years, three, however many years. I'm not good at math. Um, until I came into this program, and then I just let it go. It was what it was began again and just worked on it, worked outside the home, earned as much as I could. 
My husband lost his job again. Um, he panicked because he wasn't in program at the time. I thought right at that time because I was, you know what, this is going to be okay. He's going to find another job. He was miserable for a week. I was calm. At the end of the week, he had another job. So it is not in our control. If it's not in our control, there's no sense beating ourselves up over it. I uh, had many years of financial insecurity. And sometimes I was successful and sometimes I wasn't with prayer, with sharing it, um, with keeping track <laughs> of my finances so that it wasn't you know, a shock. Um, and just doing the best I could. And the financial insecurity feelings did finally go away. But there were still times that it'll hit me. Junk food costs a lot, so you might as well not. <laughs> okay, folks, that's all the time we had for the Ask It Basket uh, portion. And now uh, we have about 15 minutes for three-minute shares. Please keep on topic and stop sharing at the end of your three minutes. And also, you must sign the tape release form before sharing. I'm not sure where that's at. Let me see if I can find it. So is there anyone who would like to speak for three minutes? Um... I'm sorry. Emma, can I? Can I? Oh, okay, because I have to sign. Are you okay? I know, it's taking up. So sorry. So sorry, Lee. And first, we just. Uh, have to have you sign and print your name because this is being taped and we want everybody to realize that um, they're giving permission to be taped. By the time I get to the microphone, my three minutes will be up. <laughs> okay. Let's see. I can't see over this thing. Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, my name is Lee, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Lee. I joined the program back in New York uh, 42 years ago. So I'm still coming here. Uh, <clears throat> when we talk about spiritual, physical, and emotional recovery, I add mental, because I live a lot in my mind, and that's where the stuff comes from. Um, somebody asked about the prayers. When I first came here, this idea of higher power was ridiculous to me. I was a very intellectual person, very academically achievable, achievable, 
And what is with this higher power? But I had, um, you know, like she said, like Jerry said, I could not stop eating. And I was a person who needed to control every aspect of my life. So, okay, this is a crazy suggestion, but I'll try it. And I sat down. There was no prayer here that appealed to me. I wrote my own prayers. Um, but you know, in New York, uh, they say they tell the story about the guy who's who stops the taxi driver and says, "Can you give me directions to Carnegie Hall?" And he says, "Yeah, practice, practice, practice." <laughs> And that's, that's what it took for me. Um, you keep trying. It took, it took Thomas Edison 4,000 tries to get the damn bulb to stay lit. And that's what it's been like for me for 42 years. Every day is a day that I wake up. I meditate first because that's what they tell me will improve my conscious contact with God. And it has become the most important thing in my life. I've done so much practicing about it, I'm practically on cruise control with that. 24-7, that comes first. And a lot of the crap that used to go on up here, just, you know, just, I don't allow it to stay like I used to. I have had training in this program of how to let it go. Uh, I do, after I meditate, I do a 10-step, what I call a 10-step, every day. I keep track. I used to be on the fast track. I didn't know what the hell was going on in my life when I was working. Now I do. I'm done. (laughs) What did you say? I was just asking you to wrap it up. Okay. Okay. So um, I, I do it in the form of a Dear God letter. Every day, I write a Dear God letter, and I'm, I'm hearing stuff back. And I, I really appreciate listening to people. I loved somebody said, what kind of behavior do I do that is oh, not OA approved? Well, thank you so much. Okay. And... a little help and um, this um, meeting is supposed to end at 11.50 and uh, we are getting close to that so um, come on up if you'd like to speak and first sign in please Hi, I'm Meg. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Meg. Hi. And thank you, all your speakers. It was really wonderful. Moderator. Um, <clears throat> in, in order for me to have balance and have, I have to do something with each of the physical, emotional, and spiritual part of my program every day. 
And part of that is I at least have a, a morning time of prayer and meditation, and I, uh, that includes reading some of the, the literature. Um, <clears throat> I um, send in my food to my sponsor every day, so that's part of the physical, keeping, be, being honest with about my food. And um, I need to do some kind of exercise, so that's part of the physical too. And um, emotionally, um, it's that uh, um, spontaneous 10-step that will help me keep on track. That if I feel like I'm off track, if I've been um, unkind to somebody around me, if I've uh, had an emotional outburst or even a depression, um, I need to um, just do a a quick little 10-step and see what my part is and make amends if I need to and move on. So I'm really grateful for this program. I've been in the program for 25 years and maintained a healthy body weight for most of that time. Um, I'm about 55 pounds less than I at my highest weight, and I'm really grateful. I'm one of those yo-yo ones, so that it is an absolute miracle that I've maintained all these years. Saved my life. Thank you. And I would like um, to speak for just a moment or two. Uh, again, my name is Deb, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I came to OA from another 12-step program um, because I just started filling the hole with food. And But what I realize now is I treated OA like another diet. I came to OA. I did everything that was suggested, I lost my weight, and I stopped going. Well, what a surprise. I gained it all back and then some. So I'm back. Um, I celebrated three years of abstinence uh, yesterday. I've kept 70 pounds off, and as I tell everybody, I don't do it for vanity, I do it for health. I have a lot of health issues, and that, that extra weight is not helping. But, so for me, the physical part was, you know, to me, none of them are more important than the other. They're, they're all equally important. The physical, if... I have to keep the weight. I have to keep the weight off, and I have a good program that I work with my sponsor that works really well. Um, I'm very thankful that I have a spiritual program that just enlightens my life. I was introduced to a spiritual community over 25 years ago, and that's very 12-step oriented, and um, they have changed my life. And I, too, I, I pray and meditate for two hours. I'm retired, so I pray and meditate for two hours in the morning And um, because I also now have uh, early-onset dementia. I can't remember. I have to read it. So I do. Every morning I read that. And I carry it through the day. Um, 
And the hardest part for me is the emotional. Um, I have to say a step, uh, tenth step immediately to my poor husband, more times than not. He's the one that gets the brunt of things. Uh, I'm pretty good with other people, but with not so good with him. And uh, I also suffer from a mental disorder, and so I'm one that has to get outside help. And um, my outside help is very aware that I'm in 12-step and uses that to help me to deal with that. So for me, the three of them, if I, if I fall down on any of them, uh, my program is going to weaken, and I do not want to see that happen again. Thanks. Okay, and I think, are we about out of time? Okay. So it looks like we're ta- it's about time to um, end. I um, want to thank all the speakers and everyone who shared. Um, thank you. And all of your fabulous questions. And let's please stand and join hands as we close with the OA promise. The OA promise. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. As we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Coming back, it works if you work it and you're worth it.